Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey guys, Ready or Not 2024 is here, and we here at Breaking Points are already thinking of ways we can up our game for this critical election. We rely on our premium subs to expand coverage, upgrade the studio, add staff, give you guys the best independent coverage that is possible. If you like what we're all about, it just means the absolute world to have your support. But enough with that, let's get to the show. Some new developments in our search for extraterrestrial life. Not here on Earth, but somewhere in our solar system. Let's go and put this up there on the screen. This is actually a fascinating development from NASA. They say, quote, a moon of Saturn has all of the ingredients needed for life. Data from the NASA spacecraft reveals that phosphorus is present in the subsurface ocean of Enceladus, which is one of the moons of Saturn. It's a tiny, tiny orbiting moon of Saturn. They say it has, quote, all of the key building blocks of life. The moon is only about 300 miles in diameter, but it has a global subsurface ocean of more than 30 miles deep. Continuously erupting plumes at its south pole sprays bits of icy particles from that ocean hundreds of miles into space through the cracks in the moon crust at supersonic speeds. Quote, these geysers enable spacecraft flying by to study the chemical makeup of the ocean without having to plunge beneath the ice. Data from the previous NASA mission suggested that the moon possessed every chemical block needed to form life that we have known of in the solar system except for phosphorus. Now we know that phosphorus being critical to DNA crystal actually has been discovered on this moon. So Hmm. the name also of the moon, Enceladus, difficult to say just for me because I'm not all that read up, but I did know that the way that they named Saturn moons was uh, within Greek mythology. Mm. And uh, Enceladus is one of the giants who is the offspring of Gaia, a.k.a. the Earth, and Uranus, the sky. So it's one of those children in Greek mythology, thus getting the name uh, there of Saturn's moon. So gotcha. interesting, though, uh, nonetheless. Yeah, well, they, they have a researcher quoted here who says, the next step is to figure out if it indeed is inhabited. 
It's going to take a future mission to answer that question, so we don't know yet. Maybe it's but a forward is, operating base. This is exciting because it makes Enceladus, Enceladus, however you yes. say it, an even more compelling destination to go and do that kind of search. I mean, I guess the thing that this made me think of, Sagar, is mm -hmm. if they're even in our own solar system, mm -hmm. are places that are potentially, that have all the building blocks of life, that are potentially inhabitable, then... What does that mean for the like vastness of the universe? Yeah, it's just you know obvious. statistically speaking, right. it's obvious that there must be many, many, many other places that similarly have these same building blocks of life. Of course, I mean that that it, it's so obvious because we it, and actually even as he points out, you know, within um, space, it says quote within the cosmos, phosphorus is by far the rarest as of what we know at least so far. Oh, interesting. But it does demonstrate uh, to us just how little we actually even know. You know, even about our own solar system eight or nine measly little planets and their moons like we're only discovering this now in 2023 then you combine that to the milky way galaxy and then you combine that to the all of these other galaxies where uh, you know I, I just think it is so ridiculous to even claim you know or i guess not that many people do claim that we are literally the only life in the entire universe just that you know the the uh what are the odds that we would be at the same that we would reach our stage of development at the exact same time that another civilization mm. had also reached past development for intersolar, intergalactic, interstellar travel, and that those two would find each other. That's kind of what the actual paradox is. Not that life has not existed or does exist or whatever in the universe, just that that they would be able to find each other at the same time does, you know, it does seem quote unquote fantastical. But also considering the number of Enceladuses that are likely out there, the number of Earths and all that are out there. It's not as crazy as it seems to be presumed that there's millions, potentially hundreds of millions of type civilizations scattered all throughout the universe. But hey, you know, now we're starting to get, uh, mm -hmm. now things are starting to get interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's nothing more human than to contemplate the great mysteries of the universe. Yes. And there's nothing that's sort of more centering, I guess, than to contemplate uh, just these the vastness of the universe and what else might be out yeah. there helps put everything in context. Let I'd me put say. a word in just for darkness. Uh, I did not truly understand darkness until I went to Moab, um, which is uh, one of the, it's a national dark sky zone in the United States. Moab is the desert, the town in Utah for the Arches National Park. I drove in the middle out at night pitch black you can barely see anything except for the distance mm. of your headlights you get to the parking lot where everybody's going stargazing you turn the car off and you look up and it is one of the most stunning things i have ever seen mm. in my entire life everyone's gotten a little bit of a glimpse of it if you're yeah. like on camping or yeah. something like that but i'm i i beg people go to an actual dark sky zone or hawaii i forget exactly what keck observatory i think is what it's called either of those places it will blow you away. Yeah. And I'm sure there are several other, I think the South Pacific also, some areas and all, all of that, other than Hawaii that you can visit. But in the, in the United States, National Dark Sky Zone, I think uh, Big Sky, Montana, you know, places mm. like that. Oh, I'd love it, that. It, it will change your perspective entirely on everything that we're talking about. This was actually here. something that blew yeah. Kyle away moving from, mm. you know, New York City suburbs down to middle of nowhere in Virginia mm. where we live, which obviously is not like total, there's still mm -hmm. some light pollution but the vast difference between what he could see in the night sky in New York City oh, versus here kind of blew his mind. So oh, yeah. I yeah. certainly speak to that. Even a 50% chance change is insane, but yeah. try 100%. Like, I, I beg you, everybody, to try and go and experience it for yourself. So anyway, we're not alone. Uh, we'll see you later.
So in the midst of all kinds of turmoil over at CNN with the top uh, guy being out of the job, you have Charles Barkley, who is set to start a new talk show there alongside Gail King. And he made some interesting comments about uh, the timing of his new show coming out. Take a listen. You don't need to go take that news job. You can come on our show. You know more about <laughs> hockey than yeah. we do. You don't have to travel out of what, Atlanta. Apparently with this new talk show, I'm jumping on the Titanic. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's not, everybody keeps saying, abort, abort, abort. <laughs> <laughs> jumping, I think he's right. Jumping on the Titanic. You know what's funny, though, about that clip is, like, clearly Charles Barkley doesn't need CNN. In fact, I was shocked that he even took yes. the job. Right. And the fact that he doesn't need CNN is exactly why his show could actually be interesting. I think you're right. Because he'll say something like that, which clearly, like, you know, is impolitic and not what CNN bosses want to hear. But since he's Charles Barkley, he can get away with it. Well, right now, they're really getting destroyed. I mean, you know, CNN, actually, this is uh, uh, even a reflection by their own reporter, Brian Stelter, who has literally Former was fired. reporter, yes. Yeah. Used to dominate, CNN used to dominate on brave breaking news like Friday when the Trump indictment was unsealed. Something's changed. MSNBC has now capitalized. So MSNBC actually destroyed both Fox and CNN on the day of the Trump indictment. Obviously, the Makes boomers sense. over there are just losing their minds. Nicole Wallace getting them all ginned up. Rachel, Rachel Maddow is, you know, doing backflips. But CNN, you know, is in a tough spot because they capitalized exactly on that same market, then decided to ditch them. And they're like, well, which way? Like, who are we? We have no credibility with the right. Their credibility with the left is, is gone because they are not willing to be as crazy rushing right. as MSNBC. So what is their, you know, what what is their purpose of existing right now? Yeah, no, they're, I mean, I don't know what the way forward is for them because they spent so much, so many years cultivating a certain audience. And it was basically like the same audience mm -hmm. as MSNBC where, I mean, sometimes CNN was even going like further than MSNBC in terms of, you know, like liberal Trump derangement. And so after you've cultivated that audience for years, you can't then turn on a dime and be like, actually, everything we said was wrong. Actually, our coverage was wrong. Actually, our hosts were wrong. Actually, what we were doing was terrible and was bad for the world and bad for democracy and whatever. And we're completely changing course. I mean, I don't even know that they changed course all that much. Yeah, I think you're right. But they did enough for viewers to, you know, the the viewing base, the viewing audience that they had themselves cultivated to be like, okay, well, I can go over to MSNBC and get like the the comfort food fed right to me. So I don't even know what you're up to over here. And when you combine that with the fact that it's not like any of this content is that engaging or entertaining anyway. There's just no reason for people to stick around. Mm -hmm. I think what we need to do is to make sure that people understand this is only a once a week show, but even if Charles does well, it's not like it's going to save the oh, network. Of course. So, yeah. Uh, whoever the new boss is over there, I just got to say, good luck. That 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 is it. Uh, and Titanic, I, one can only pray, one can only hope. Yes, indeed. I mean, the, I guess the last thing I'll say is you are talking about still, even with ratings down, even with profits down, even with all of that, a gigantic juggernaut of a media enterprise. You know, surely there is some path to them being relevant again and providing information and news com coverage that people actually want to seek out and actually learn from and actually get something out of. Um, but it's not clear that there are any uh, New York executives who have figured out a plan for making that happen. Yeah, well said. Inflation. Governments fear it, consumers hate it, and the media lies about it. My name is James Lee, and today we will uncover together the 
web of lies and propaganda spun by the mainstream media to obfuscate the truth about inflation. not just one factor, but several that's fueling inflation. The reason for inflation? Do you see this flaring up inflation? That's the main cause of inflation. It's an inflation conspiracy theory is infecting the Democrat party. The inflation propaganda has come full circle, and today we are gonna go on a three-year journey to expose the insane lies we've been told about the causes and effects of inflation. Let's go back to early 2020. Shortly after the pandemic took hold of the world, on March 27, 2020, Congress passed a $2 trillion plus stimulus package called the CARES Act. Part of the package included direct aid to individuals and households in the form of a $1,200 stimulus check to provide relief for those whose jobs were impacted by pandemic shutdowns. In December of that year, Congress passed yet another stimulus bill, the Coronavirus Response and Relief Act, which doled out another $600 check to individuals making under $75,000 a year. In March of 2021, Congress passed the final coronavirus stimulus bill, the American Rescue Plan Act, which distributed another $1,400 to most Americans. $3,200 in total to the people, and some at the very top were not too happy. Economist Larry Summers, Bill Clinton's Treasury Secretary and Barack Obama's top economic advisor, was a high-profile critic of these relief checks. I don't think the $2,000 checks uh, make much sense. I'm not even sure that I'm so enthusiastic about the $600 checks. And I think taking them to $2,000 would actually be a pretty serious mistake that would risk a temporary overheat. In a Washington Post op-ed published in February of 2021, a month after the final relief check was issued to Americans, Summers wrote that the stimulus checks would, quote, set off inflationary pressures of a kind that we have not seen in a generation. And when inflation jumped from 1.7% in February of 2021 to 7.9% a year later, cable news and its army of pundits and experts quickly placed the blame on these stimulus checks. The reason for inflation, the stimulus. We have placed ourselves at risk for this inflation that we're now seeing. $1,400 direct payments could be deposited into bank accounts as early as this weekend. Do you see this flaring up inflation the way uh, we are seeing some market participants, participants viewing this. Absolutely, Maria. He just passes this really, really massive stimulus. And I think that that's the main cause of inflation. So their assertion is that the economy freaked out because people made a couple thousand dollars more. Is there any truth to that? Andrew Yang, who ran for president in 2020 with UBI, Universal Basic Income, as a core tenant of his platform, he had this to say. The relief checks and... Um, the enhanced child tax credit, it gets um, mistakenly blamed for inflation later, which is, uh, you know, very upsetting and uh, frustrating and troubling. Yeah. Because everyone's like, oh, we can you send checks out and then prices go up. It's like, well, if you do the math, you realize that the checks were a very, very small component of the five trillion that went went out. I try and explain to people, it's like, look, five trillion dollars is. 16,000 a head. Like, do you remember sending out fifteen, sixteen thousand a head? <laughs> you know, he sent out like, you know, yeah. maybe like one or two grand a head. So, what the hell happened to the other, you know, 13, 14 grand? Yeah, what did happen to the rest of the money? Taking a closer look at the CARES Act, the first of the three coronavirus stimulus bills, only about a quarter of the money went to helping individuals and households. Two hundred ninety billion went to direct payments. That's the twelve hundred dollar check. Another $260 billion for additional supplemental unemployment. 
Much of the rest, the $1.2, $1.4 trillion was handed out to some of the wealthiest in this country, corporations, businesses, and major industries like the airlines as tax breaks, loans, and grants. So while it is certainly the case that the Fed quote unquote printed a lot of money in the year following the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, which could and did contribute to inflation just based on fundamental supply and demand principles, the reality is that almost none of that money went to regular people. So the mainstream narrative continued to evolve in the coming months. The global supply chain crisis hasn't been seen since World War II. Cargo ships continue to sit in an ocean parking lot off the coast of California as millions of goods are in limbo. It's an L.A. traffic jam in the Pacific. In October of 2021, the Wall Street Journal tied inflation to supply chain disruptions occurring as a result of the pandemic aftershock. Which isn't inaccurate because the pandemic did throw the entire global supply chain in complete disarray, causing supply shortages and a subsequent price increase. But to what degree? That is the question. And it was around this time where rumblings in independent media along with other academics began to surface about the true impact of the supply chain crisis on prices and what else might actually be the real driver of inflation. To cite one specific example, on December 29, 2021, friend of the show Matt Stoller posited on his Substack newsletter, Big, that corporate profits drove 60% of inflation increases. Based on his analysis, after backing out planned inflation, which is roughly 2% historically, 60% of the increase in inflation went directly to corporate profits, while the other 40% could be explained by the Fed's monetary policy and the global supply chain crisis. Provocative, or at least it was at the time, and legacy media totally freaked out. Just a few weeks later, on January 10th, 2022, the Washington Post editorial board published an op-ed asserting that pinning the current inflation problems on corporate greed is a quote-unquote flimsy argument. Other op-eds followed, claiming greedflation, as it later became commonly known, to be fake, a witch hunt, some even going as far as calling it a conspiracy theory conspiracy theory is infecting the Democrat Party. And she goes after what she's coining as greedflation. And she's basically saying, look, the idea of blaming all these companies for raising their prices when all of the prices of everything that goes into what they make has gone up and they're trying to just keep their heads above water in a lot of in a lot of cases. Some of them are, are doing quite well. But, 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 but hang on a second. Some are doing quite well. Was was that a Freudian slip there? In September of 2022, The Intercept reported that CEOs of major corporations have been praying for inflation because it's an excuse to jack up prices. And this was all caught on tape. We view a little bit of inflation as always good in our business. We would expect to be able to pass that through. And as I've said before, you know, inflation has been a little bit of our friend in terms of what we see at retail pricing. We want to make sure that we're not leaving any pricing on the table. We'll take as much pricing as the consumer can absorb. And we know if we need to take more pricing, we have room to do it. To date, we've seen no resistance from our customers. I'm really pleased our sales teams have gotten much better at pricing than ever in the history of the company. We're not going to be giving this pricing back. Now it's not a matter of can we take a price increase. Now it's about how much of a price increase are you going to take. Inflation is good for business. Inflation is our friend. We will raise prices as much as we can, and we aren't going to give it back. Sounds a lot like corporate manufactured inflation that has nothing to do with global supply chain disruptions or monetary policy. You tell me what you think. I mean, it's not exactly a secret that in the past couple years, despite constant talks of a recession, is it already here? Is it six months away? 
corporate profits have been at an all-time high. And according to data released by the Bureau of Economic Analysis, the past three years from 2020 to 2022 saw a dramatic increase in the contribution of corporate profits as a percentage of unit price, while other costs such as employee compensation have decreased. In March of this year, the Economic Policy Institute estimated that between 2020 and 2022, corporate profits have contributed to more than a third of price growth. So how does mainstream media square this circle? How do they continue to do the bidding of their corporate masters while also facing facts that corporations are greedy by nature? I will tell you. Just a few weeks ago, on May 25th, 2023, the Wall Street Journal published this article. Greedflation is real and probably good for the economy. Ah, okay, so this brings us full circle. As friend of the show and Intercept reporter Ken Kleppenstein aptly pointed out that over the course of a couple years, the idea that corporate profits contribute to inflation went from a conspiracy theory to real and probably a good thing. The journal claims that, quote, a bit of corporate greed, which they admit is contributing significantly to inflation, is actually a good thing because it may be helping the fight against recession. Mm, a bit of mental gymnastics, they got themselves tied up in a little bit of a knot, hard to say, but to lay out the message clearly, what they are saying is that inflation from corporate price increases, which so happens to put money in the hands of shareholders, that's actually a good kind of inflation. But in another one of their recent articles, they say that inflation from wage growth, where money is put in the hands of a regular worker, that's a bad kind of inflation that we really need to be worried about. I hope you see the game, the farcical nature of mainstream media coverage. It is all propaganda facilitated by the entire legacy media ecosystem on behalf of their corporate and billionaire owners who will undoubtedly benefit from such massive increases in corporate profits, all with the goal of maintaining their power and control over you. But we have a choice. We can choose to believe in this type of propaganda or we can refuse such narratives that blame regular people, narratives that are meant to divide the working class, narratives that are designed to indoctrinate you into defending your oppressors. Only then can we potentially change the status quo. Thank you so much for watching. What do you think? Sound off in the comments below. If you enjoy these Beyond the Headlines segments, I would encourage you to check out and subscribe to my YouTube channel, 5149 with James Lee. The link will be in the description below. I'd really appreciate that. And as always, keep on tuning into Breaking Points. And thank you so much for your time today. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. 
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.